We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it. To the Miami Heat fans, it was, uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs! James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? Hello and welcome to episode 108 of the Brew Hoop Podcast, season three, season four of this edition, this latest iteration of the Brew Hoop Podcast. Uh, I'm Riley Feldman. If you hear my voice, let's let's get this disclaimer out of the way. If you hear my voice, that means Adam Paris, co-managed editor of Brew Hoop, is out. Uh, Adam's going to be out for a while, not because he is no longer part of this world. He is with us both spiritually and corporeally. He just has positive things that are going to keep him away from the from the podcast and the site for quite a while if not weeks maybe a couple of months but it's all good he will be back eventually uh adam we're looking forward to your return but we are going to do our best to not get the podcast pulled by vox in your intervening absence here um so it, it's going to be me or kyle opening these things for a while let's just get that out of the way so we don't have to come up with an excuse for why adam is gone every single week uh with me this week as usual kyle carr and as we fill the third studio chair through the absence of Adam, we have, uh, for those who listen more than they read the site, um, you probably maybe saw that we have a whole bunch of new staff members that joined us right before the season here. Uh, so we're going to be pulling from them. them. Andrew's going to come on uh, potentially, maybe, no promises, but maybe Mitchell will be on as well. But this week, to kick things off, new staff member, uh, Morgan, Morgan Ross, uh, I've let him introduce himself, uh, his background, why the Bucks. Uh, Morgan, welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast and to the staff as well. No, thank you. Happy to be here. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm here both spiritually and corporeally. No other positive things to do. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, born and raised in Wisconsin, uh, college in Minnesota, grad school in Ohio. So slowly going up the uh, Midwest hierarchy. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I've been reading Journal Sentinel since I was a kid following the Bucks. Um, and I think especially in the last few years, it's obviously been easier to do that. <laughs> um, so kind of, uh, you know, took that energy and decided to jump on board on the site. And, uh, yeah, as fun as my biweekly trivia is, I thought, uh, maybe expand a little bit and, uh, do some talkie-talkie. So looking forward to running with you guys. We're going to be, we're working on your Q rating here. We're going to up that Q rating above and beyond. I, I do have to ask, when the Bucks won the title, where did that rank in terms of your like personal all-time sports moments? Was that number one or are there other sports that you're also partial to that maybe would contend for that position? Um, I think that uh, the Packers winning the Super Bowl um, was probably up there. I'm, I'm off of that 
for, I mean, more political than sporting reasons at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, I think there is definitely a, I don't know. It's it's probably number one. I, I you know I delve in soccer, delve in tennis, but uh, nothing's really going to beat that for me. Probably. Yeah, it's it was a it was a special moment. Not a dry eye in any house across the Midwest of Milwaukee Bucks fans. Uh, no, no, very so, well, very very wet in in my yeah. household. <laughs> Well, you'll fit uh, fit in no problem whatsoever. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Carr, how are you doing this morning? I should, should introduce you as well properly. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can get to me eventually. <laughs> I am good. Um, parenting basically is in a nutshell. Um, that is my life. That is everything I do. Um, otherwise, since we last recorded, yeah, basically being a parent, it's fall. I'm happy. Fall season is the best season, and I will stand by that take forever. Um. Yeah, I, I really don't have much. I feel like I, I haven't done anything at the same time. It's like, oh, yeah, I did all these things. Not really. <laughs> you could argue in a way this is going to be the transition. The Bucks have sort of done a couple of things, but not really as well because it's only preseason. And that's going to be our transition today, folks. We're going to be doing a preseason little recap here. Then we have a whole bunch of over and unders. Uh, prediction madness, I think I've termed it. We're going to kind of set the table a little bit for the season to come. Uh, as Kyle said, since the last time we recorded, I looked, it's been like a month and a half, which feels about right because we haven't talked in quite a while. So it, it, This uh, was our longest break I think we've ever longest, done. It was probably even longer than like the off season like, between the title and when we started talking about Summer League. But that's all right. We're back. Uh, so Bucks preseason, they go one and four. None of it really matters. They lost to the, the sort of loss to the Grizzlies. I don't know if that was technically a loss or not because they ended. Doesn't <laughs> the count. Quarter. Didn't count. Doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> they lost to the Nets. They lost to the Mavs. They lost to the Jazz. And they won against the OKC Thunder. Um, just a couple of stats from people before we kind of talk about the preseason in general. Uh, Giannis, he appeared in three games. He averaged about 18.3 points. You check out these shooting splits right here. 68.8% from the floor overall. A scorching and probably super sustainable 66.7% from three <laughs> and a more appropriate 58.3% from the free throw line, 8.3 re- rebounds, 4.3 assists. Chris, two games, averaged 19.5 points, even more sustainable, 83% from three-point land and 100% from the free throw line. Uh, four rebounds, 2.5 assists. Drew, three games as well, 12.3 points, uh, 5.7 assists, 4.7 rebounds. And then I just kind of pulled from like random dudes off the bench. Uh, so Dante DiVincenzo, he was out. Obviously, he's got his ankle issues. I don't think Bobby played in any of the games. Um, so not much to work off of for Bobby, which is fine. But other guys who are somewhat interesting, Jordan Wara, five games, uh, 17.8 points. Uh, shooting splits of 44-3, 4-12, and 83.3. Pretty good. Grayson Allen, uh, 11.3 points. Uh, and then Sandro, Everybody's favorite rookie, potential G League MVP of the year. We'll talk about that later. Uh, 8.4 points, uh, a somewhat paltry 27.3% from three, 6.6 rebounds, 1.2 assists. That's a lot of numbers. It's preseason. None of those numbers actually really matter. Um, we'll start with you, Kyle, uh, because I think we discussed before the podcast, you probably, of us three, watch the most preseason basketball. Um, any big takeaways? Were you happy with things went? Were there any like players that jumped out at you just – any sort of preseason takes you have. Honestly, it was kind of interesting just because, especially for the first game against Memphis, when essentially 
anyone that was going to get significant playing time didn't play. You know, Giannis was out, Chris was out, Drew was out, Bobby was out. It was Dante was out. I think the only ones that probably will be in the rotation was Brooke, Grayson Allen, and Pat. So those are the only ones that really were going to play. And they looked fine. And George Hill. And, you know, it was kind of interesting just because of how bare the cupboard was. Because then you also had like Roddy Hood and Shemiel Jolet out as well. So you're kind of going with these guys. And you're not sure who, how they're going to look, what they're going to do. If Bud was going to throw any, you know, surprise sets offensively. And it seems like they're doing a little bit more pick and roll. But other than that, it didn't, it didn't seem like any of these preseason games, there was that much of a okay bud's gonna try doing this more or bud's gonna experiment with this and i think that's probably not surprising because they actually have time to practice this go around unlike last year when they didn't really have a training camp and when they did it was very restricted because of covid and you didn't have much time to figure it out so i think with all of that we might not see as much experimentation in games as we did last year but in terms of players i, I think sandro mamukilashvili looked surprisingly really good like I'm not I I feel good about his pick mainly because it seems like if he can just be subpar defensively that could be enough obviously there are times where he's just the, the speed of the game is too high for him I know against the Mavericks he just bit on a lot of pump fakes and that's gonna happen like he's still a rookie still I mean it's not like a great defensive player but it seems like offensively, he is very smooth with the ball. He is very in control. And I think that's going to be a huge benefit for him. I think Jordan Wara is trying on defense, which, you know, at this rate, we can take, we can appreciate him trying. We're not, again, kind of the same as Sandro, not expecting him to be good defensively. I just need you to at least try. I just need you to at least put something together. So that was, and of course, he's going to shoot, shoot or shoot all the time. Um, I think the biggest surprise was Grayson Allen. He's looked like someone that is going to start. I think he's going to be someone that's going to cause the front office a lot of headaches because it's probably going to come down to him and Dante. And I mean, so far, like if the ownership had to choose, I feel like Grayson Allen might get the edge. Just also considering the health factor, you know, Grayson Allen hasn't suffered that many big injuries. Dante has had some injury every season. Uh, since he got drafted so he, he shot the ball well his ability to dribble shoot off the dribble is very helpful I, he's got the athleticism so I think Grayson Allen is probably the biggest surprise you know is he he might be the next Pat Connaughton you know guy that everyone hates going into the season and then all of a sudden you're turning around and you're like actually this guy's pretty damn good so good on Grayson Allen for that otherwise not really much to take away from it you know there will other than those, I would say three players, you know, George Hill, we just need him for the playoffs. It's not that important. Rodney Hood <laughs> didn't look great, but he also kind of got thrown in from the cold and then he only played that one game against the Jazz. We still haven't seen Ojale. I don't see, I mean, this was, I, I just don't think there's any else noteworthy with, you know, George Yorgos. I'm, I thought would have gotten more of a chance to preseason, and that didn't seem to be the case. Like he didn't wow anything. There wasn't really anything to stand out. So I think if you're wanting Sandro to be something, there is potential for that. I think Jordan Wara, I don't think he's going to get a lot of playing time off the bench, but he at least has shown that 
depending on the units that he's with, it wouldn't be a bad idea to just throw him out there for games. And I think Grayson Allen is, I mean, he's going to start, I'm sure. And he's probably going to be the guy that's like, okay, this is what can make or break the buck season. His ability to kind of do what Bryn Forbes does, but also not be as bad defensively. I should note for both Grayson Allen and Dante, I believe the cutoff for them to get rookie contract extensions is tomorrow or October 18th, depending on when you're listening to this, because I believe once the regular season starts, you can't offer an extension to rookies. So I think if you're going to see anything, uh, we've seen ranges of expectations for Dante from anywhere from like 75 million to a hundred million dollars. I'll be honest. That's been a little high for me. Well, we'll talk more about that later on. Um, I, I think it's probably given everything, given the situation that we're not really sure. I doubt we're going to see either of those guys get a contract extension. That'll be a kick the can down the road situation. Morgan, uh, following up from Kyle, was there anything else uh, you want to echo from there or any other different takeaways you had from preseason? Yeah, I would uh, echo the thoughts on Gray Allen, which I absolutely love <laughs> as a nickname, and I want to make that happen. Um, I think just the kind of um, adult in the room, George Hill minus a decade vibes that he provides as opposed to I don't know, whenever Dante's out there, there's that little sense of like kid on the playground, who knows what's really going to happen. Um, and obviously he does things, but I feel more confident <laughs> in the even keel of, of Gray Allen. Um, although <laughs> I still, you know, hold 2015 or whenever that was against him. And we'll never forget that. Um, yeah, that, m- those are my thoughts there. Uh, Jordan Nora, I want more of <laughs> i that's not, not a particularly <laughs> hot take but um you know he can he can shoot as we know and i think that having like a jordan clarkson microwave score Bryn forbes-esque player off the bench is going to be beneficial for us um especially watching just annoying stretches of time last year when we somehow could not score to bite despite having Giannis, chris andrew out there um, he's shown that he's actually able to, when received the ball, give it to someone else, which is a welcome change. Um, and, you know, as we talked about with Forbes a lot last year, he's at least trying on defense. Um, and I'm hoping that overall with our, with our team, he's not going to be, um, asked to be a, you know, a, a plus defender, but if he can be neutral, um, I'd rather him out there than George Hill, Shemi Ojale, Rodney Hood, pretty much like Pat. <laughs> like I, I want mm-hmm. there's very few people on our team that actually have any upside for improvement in the coming years. And I'd rather get him minutes to potentially see if that happens. Um, and then at last thought would just be um, Giannis did shoot the 58% from free throw, but also numerically around 5.8 seconds per free throw, which I think is a welcome development. Um, if we could uh, nip that meme in the bud from opposing fans, that would be great. Obviously, we'd like it, you know, a little bit more than 58% would be great. Maybe you could uh, he could dip into some of those three-pointers that he was throwing up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, full disclaimer, uh, it's the preseason. I did not exactly watch the games in depth, um, but uh, those, would be, those would be my kind of takeaways. Yeah. Uh, my my even more full disclaimer, I watched maybe like two highlight packages from preseasons. I did, I did even less work for this. Uh, but from those highlight packages that I watched, uh, it's tough to say that Giannis 
took a month and a half and now he's fixed his jumper. Uh, we've done this rigmarole literally every year and multiple times within the same season about whether or not Giannis has successfully fixed his jumper. I'm somewhat uh, skeptical as to whether or not it looks better, but whether or not that'll be uh, consistent throughout the season, I don't know. I think it's great that he looks very comfortable with his shot package. Um, as everybody knows, he's very tall and very long, so literally nobody could block a jumper, and he's got very good, like, you know, different moves in the post or on the uh, baseline to be able to get himself free a little bit for a shot. So if it's something he wants to continue to work on and if his, uh, the actual mechanics of it are a little bit improved, uh, great. I see no issue with that. It's a long season. Work on it. No problem. Uh, and then, like, from Chris and Drew, they look pretty much about ready. I think uh, it's it's encouraging that these guys, a lot of them, they did not have like any offseason at all. Chris and Drew, especially. Uh, Jordan Moore, to a certain extent, but he didn't play a whole bunch of the playoffs, so a little bit different for him. But for Chris and Drew to go finals, go to the Olympics, come back, they pretty much have like a month to rest up. Um, it'll be really interesting seeing how Budenholzer goes out and tries and balance the uh, kind of workload that each guy gets. Um, I don't think it's going to be a lot of situations where they're being held out for games. There'll be ones against like the Cavs or against uh, the Kings or other like loser teams where they won't start, obviously. But it'll be more interesting of how quickly do we either try to run up the score or if things look not even out of hand, but they're like, oh, we don't really care too much about this. How quickly does Bob pull those guys on a night to night basis to kind of like conserve them? I, I think that'll be really interesting. And then from like the other dudes, uh, Jordan Wara. Guy's a bucket. When we've known since he got here that he's a bucket. I think it's the thing about a rookie who does a ton of scoring or has like spurts where it's like, oh, this guy looks like he can really score. It's how much of is this like replicable heading forward? It's not that. It's like a Rashad Vaughn situation. Rashad Vaughn has like two good weeks. Is like, oh, maybe he finally figured out, and then like you know the next experience is like, ah, oh, no, he's still Rashad Vaughn. It's good that Jordan Wara continues to be very consistent on offense. I think that's a good thing for the team. Uh, whether or not he eventually just gets flipped in a midseason trade because we're like, well, he's never going to figure out defense. We're going to figure that out. Um, and then Sandro, uh, he's quite undersized. He's, I mean, that all you need to do is look at that video of him defending Giannis in training camp. Now, to be fair, there's very few guys in the league who can one-to-one -one defend Giannis. But the size differential, I was like, it's like looking like a full-grown adult bullying a kid. So Sandra's going to be spending a lot of time, hopefully, in the weight room adding weight on. Um, but a lot of his skill set is interesting. So we'll see where it goes from there. But yeah, I don't, like I said, it's preseason. There's not a whole bunch. Of, it would have been nice to get revenge over glasses, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd pretending that he knows how to do math now because he wears glasses. Uh, yeah, I was. I, I wanted to talk about that. I don't know what the hell he... I don't know what kind of con <laughs> he's trying to pull, but no one's falling for it. Like, it feels like the hipster that just decides to throw the, like, not even prescription glasses. It's literally just, like, glass. And I, it's right. like, I hate you right now. If you think it's glass, like I think it's just empty. And the collar, <laughs> the collar with it. That's a that's a strong mood. Uh, I, I I would have respected him a little bit more had he worn that throwback Dallas Mavericks like at courtside. Had he had that while coaching, you know, I, obviously I have no respect for Jason Kidd, but it would have gotten just a little eensy weensy bit of respect if Jason Kidd had worn that. But yes, it definitely had like big. Uh, I'm going to a job interview, but I don't actually wear glasses or any sort of like corrective lenses at all, but I'll just wear these frames to like look intelligent. So good on you, Jason Kidd. You're this guy. 
He's always thinking. He's you gotta give him credit. He's always thinking. He's always thinking about himself and himself only. <laughs> yes, we'll see how that goes. But this is not a Dallas Mavericks podcast, this is a Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Uh I'm trying to think. There's no other really big takeaways. I the only other thing I would mention, um, I already said workload management throughout this uh season. Giannis, uh he said, I think in training camp, he was like, Oh, my knee's kind of bothering me still a little bit. Uh he only played in three games, but he looked pretty good in those three games. I mean, he's going up for offensive rebounds. He's like running up to the three-point line and taking no hesitation. Eric Bledsoe threes. Uh, so I think he he looks pretty good for somebody who almost snapped his everything in his knee like three months ago. So good on you, Giannis. Well, that's the thing. I feel like he just needs like a very long break or surgery for it to not hurt, and he's not and he's not mm-hmm. going to do either at least this season. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of games where he just doesn't play. He's also a guy that doesn't really have an off switch. So if he's going to be out there, he's going to look fine. I don't know if I've ever watched a game with Giannis thinking that he's dinged up. Um, yeah, even when he like picks up a knock, he like he'll go out for like 30 seconds. He's like, all right, I'm going to go sprint down the court a couple of times. Check this. That was like finals game number one. He comes back and like. 30 seconds into the game, he's launching like over three defenders or three guys to try and get like the block. I was like, oh yeah, he's back. <laughs> Even though he almost lost the use of his knee a week ago, he's back. So it's, it's good to have you on his back. He rocks. It's a good time. Um, but yeah, that's preseason. Sorry if somebody was looking for more in-depth uh, analysis, but part of the issue is a lot of the guys who got minutes are probably not going to get a lot of play. And uh, outside of like a couple of like, interesting play plays that Boonholzer ran there wasn't like a whole bunch like Kyle said that looked conceptually all that difference Um, and again difficult without Dante or Bobby out there to get a real feel for it so uh, yeah preseason here comes the real season now and part of the real season is setting up a whole bunch of predictions Uh, hopefully there's a very good chance that nobody's ever going to come back to listen to these I will not hold those to account for what we say in here but we got to have a little bit of entertainment. I have I just sat last night. I sat down. I was like, what are some over-unders, some random numbers I could throw out these guys that I can get their takes on? So this is official over-under and prediction madness. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to state whatever it is that you're, you know, parameter you're working off of. I'll throw to one of you, and then you'll go to the other, and then I can tie it all up, and we'll just kind of go through that through all these. And I also said on here, I see that Morgan threw on an extra little over-under prediction madness. Kyle, if you have any, you're more than happy to toss them in as we go as well. But we will start where it matters most. This is this is on Basketball Reference. I'm sure it's from sort of like sports book somewhere. They have the over and under for the Bucks at 49.5 wins. Morgan, are you taking the over or the under on 49.5? Yeah, I'm taking the over. That seems a bit low. I'm not to you know show my hand from a future question, um, but I, I, I see us getting the two seed, and I think that somewhere around the 51 wins that Mitchell threw out um, in his recent piece seems about right. I don't think there'll be as much experimentation this year. I think there's a more set rotation and... Um, yeah <laughs> yeah this is an Kyle. easy over this is an easy over like if, especially now that they're playing 82 games yeah i it over easy easy we, the the thing about it is we got 46 wins last year we only played 72 games and like easily the first half of the season which is like 95 percent drew holiday being like all these people around me have no idea how to play defense at all and we were still winning so i mean like given all that given that they had a little bit of training camp they have a year of working together uh yeah i would agree that 
over on the 49.5 feels relatively easy. Um, and as Morgan, I unfortunately, I've tried to structure these that so would make a little bit more sense, but Morgan already kind of tipped his hand. So uh, will the Bucks take the East top seed this coming year? We have the drama coming out of uh, Brooklyn, the shot not taken, missing the shot. So however you want to talk about it from Kevin Durant's hands to Kyrie Irving's arm, people are missing shots left and right. Uh, and then obviously with Philly, whatever's going on there. There's just a lot of stuff going on in other Eastern teams. Surprisingly, after a whole long run that the Bucks had, it looks like we're still like the strongest team. I want to ask then, Kyle, will the Bucks then take the East top seed this year? I'm going to go with no. And the only reason is I think Brooklyn saw what happened last year and they figured, okay, I don't want to deal with this team until, I, until the latest possible moment. So they're going to try and go for the one seed. And I think Milwaukee gets the two seed. I don't trust Philly. I, if, if Philly doesn't make a trade for Ben Simmons, that team is going to possibly fall apart to the point that it's like a five or six. It's just the chemistry is going to be it, it's irreparable damage at this point. So I, I think Brooklyn will still get the one seed because they're going to make it a goal to get the one seed. I think last year they thought, well, we can just, you know, we have enough talent and we can just half-ass our way out of it. But I think after what happened this year with Milwaukee, they're what happened last year in the playoffs with Milwaukee, they're going to try and make sure to get that one seed so that way they don't have to deal with the Bucks until the Eastern Conference Finals. I uh, I think they clinched home court advantage the moment that they decided that Kyrie would not be able to play any home games. I felt like that was just 100% karma. Um, I really want a, a conference finals where we win all the away games and win in seven. I think that would be really beautiful. Um you know, assuming that Kyrie Bot can't play, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> otherwise, um, you know, as Brooklyn fans are happy to tell you, they only played seven-ish games in the regular season last year with the big three, and they still limped their way to a two seed. So I think they're going to be solid, um, and I don't see anyone else as a real threat. Apologies to our friends down south. <laughs> the Bulls, no apologies. No, you know, making <laughs> making their making their. Uh, own little big three, but um, yeah, I think we're solidly two. It's so tough because, like you said, Morgan, as much as I love clowning on the Nets, and I do love clowning on the Nets, they have like an amalgamation of sort of washed, but not fully washed, like stars, stars. They have big name players. And Kevin Durant is a good player. And James Harden, even though he looks like he weighs 200 pounds overweight, what he should be playing, he's also fears to be a good player. Uh, they might still secure the top seats. So I would say we'll clear the 49 and a half, but probably not be good enough to get, we won't care enough. It's not that we won't be good enough to take the first seat. I think we are absolutely good enough, but there's going to be so many other priorities. So we will not get the top seat, but uh, that does not reflect whatsoever um, how actually good we are. It'll just be kind of different, like Kyle said, priorities. Um, the Nets, even without Kyrie, will probably have a different priority of as much as they can guarantee home games as possible. They're going to go for it. So. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe top seed. Maybe not. Not the end of the world either way. Uh, next question. Will Giannis win his third MVP trophy? And before I throw it to you, Morgan, to answer, here are a couple of the other favorites that we have so far. So Giannis, I don't understand sports gambling at all, but I think plus means you're like less likely or whatever. So plus 650 for Giannis. Other guys who are near the top, uh, Luka Doncic, I think he's the overall favorite of plus 425. Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Stephen Curry, um, and then like some other guys like James Harden, Anthony Davis, 
uh, <laughs> it's not happening. Trey Young, LeBron, Damian Lillard. This is like a whole bunch of, obviously, Nikola Jokic. Uh, D- Morgan, do you think Giannis will go for his third MVP trophy this year? Probably not because politics, backroom, <laughs> yeah. no one likes the Bucks. Um, I think it's Luka's year. I don't, I, th- I think he'll be able to na- nab it despite uh, nerd man kid in charge. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to have, I don't know, the NBA wants him to be a face of the league as well. And I think he'll probably put up numbers to, to match that expectation. I don't, because it's tough because I feel like Giannis is going to have a stat line that's better than last year. And you would think with that logic, and now that you don't, you can't use this playoff failure politics in like as a reason. But I still don't think they're going to give it to him. I think they want to give it to Doncic or Embiid so badly, and they probably would have given it to Embiid last year if he didn't get hurt. So now, can Embiid stay healthy enough to get it? Because I think if he's healthy enough and Philly is somehow a top three seed, they'll go to him. I, I'll say yes. I'll say yes just because I think Giannis' stats will be too good to ignore and there isn't and unless you know the trailblazers are one of the best teams in the league or if the hawks you know take another leap it it would take another teams like the hawks the trailblazers even i guess boston like it would take another team to like make a substantial leap and a player to take a substantial leap like if boston somehow becomes like a two or three seed then maybe I can see like Jason Tatum. But until they want to give it to Doncic, but I don't think the team's going to be good enough to justify it. They want to give it to Embiid, but I don't think the health or the team's going to be able to justify it. So I think it will fall to Giannis because now you can't use the politics of, well, his playoff fa- failures because we just saw him drop 50 points in a game-winning finals game. So I'll say yes. I, I will say yes. I tend to agree. I think Morgan is right that people hate the Bucks or don't really care about the Bucks. but two things are going to be going in their favor. One, we're going to have a lot of national games. Being the defending champs that puts like a certain level of cachet and like attention on you just based on who you are. Um, and Giannis is going to put up numbers, but not even just numbers. The whole thing of the passive, not even playoff performance, be like, oh, you could be like, be like run and dunk guy. Or like, you know, there was a certain level of Giannis's game where it was more refined over years, but he's still just like this physical dominating guy. And at a certain point, people would be like, ah, yeah, that's yesterday's news. If the Giannis that we saw in the finals, and then even a little bit in the preseason here, where it's this very still physically dominating, but he's doing a much better job, like uh, orchestrating things, making the right decisions. This is what we talked about all last season. If he can just put it together a little bit more, um, he becomes like an unstoppable player and he was already pretty close to being unstoppable. And I think the confidence boost of having done what he did in the finals, it's going to take it to a different level. There's going to be contours of what he's done in the past, but there's going to be enough different there in a positive way. That's going to be like, you know, how can we deny this guy who's doing literally everything for his team? Yes. He's got the support, but even people like they don't talk all that much about Chris and Drew. So he's still got like the, Oh, he's the only superstar on the team sort of talk. There's a lot of different things that are going to go his direction that I think he will get third MVP. Like Kyle said, Dallas is probably not going to have the team success. Plus like everybody hates Luca. Like 
there is a certain a point of like people begrudgingly giving awards uh but for the most part it seems like everybody kind of hates luca's game for the most which is like the way that he goes about things so i think that will go against some and Embiid is going to play like 20 games this year because see that's all he ever does is play like 20 games so i, I would agree that with kyle that i think kyle or uh Giannis is going to get the mvp trophy it'll be awesome hopefully okay uh here we go all-stars. Last year, we had one all-star in Giannis. I think it's probably safe to say Giannis is going to be an all-star again this year. But I have to ask, Kyle, over or under on the Bucks having 2.5 all-stars? Essentially, are all three of the big three going to get the nod to go to the all-star game this year? I think I'm going to lean with under. And that's because I think Chris will get it. I, I think Chris will get it, but then the question is, will Drew get it? And I just, I'm not feeling super confident about that. And part of that is just like the, well, again, politics as well. Part of it, I feel like part of that is also politics, but I'm trying to think like other guys that like got there and who missed out. Like Bradley Beal, maybe. I mean, that's one opening. <laughs> so you know bradley beal they, might not where, where is it held this year do you know maybe he won't be able to go because of COVID. <laughs> there might be covid protocols i have no clue where it's held this there. year i have no clue where it's so, held this year but yeah i just feel like i don't think even though people respect drew i don't think it's enough to catapult him into the discussion just because if you look at last year i mean like i mean sabonis made it off of an injury because Devin, like, I mean, he made it because Kevin Durant didn't play. I guess Julius Randle, because like New York still needed a team. Like Jalen Brown made it and he's not bad, but, you know, he still is with the Celtics. Zach Levine made it because he had a lot of big stats. It was just like, it feels like he should make it, but I'm just going to go with under only because the guards, it'll possibly be a you got to replace Kyrie and who's going to take that and does Middleton fall under that to replace his Kyrie slot I don't know but I think Chris will make it I don't think Drew will make it I, I should note it's going to be in Cleveland Morgan as our Ohio expert expert I cannot imagine Cleveland to stay to Ohio no disrespect has like the same stringent restrictions on that so even if you don't have the vaccine i'm sure you could probably go to the game if you're a player so what do you think morgan over or under on 2.5 um i guess i'm uh gonna be looking forward to going to the all-star game and probably not <laughs> seeing all three of them would be my i would agree with kyle i think um i don't know when you have someone like Giannis stuffing the stat sheet like he does i think that there's only so much of the pie remaining for chris and drew and i think at least my recollection last season there was always kind of like a uh, Chris is the number two for a couple weeks and then Drew is the number two for the next couple weeks. Um, and I think that um, either they kind of ba balance each other out and like last year, neither of them make it or one of them has the upper hand makes it. Um, I think that for, for better or for worse, having been, you know, a fan of the Michael Red Bucks, it's always nice when they throw a bone and give like the top player on a pretty bad team an all-star. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that that, collectively across the conference means that numerically I think it's just tough to get three guys from one one place especially a place that's uh, Milwaukee um so yeah. in, in agreement 
I guess I'm gonna have to be the optimist. I, I the way that I look at this is somehow, some way, everybody lost their collective damn minds, and they sent every starting Atlanta Hawk to the All Star game that one year for, for whatever reason, which was an amazing. I mean, you want to talk about strange votes in NBA history? If we can get all five Atlanta Hawks to the All Star game, goddamn, but we can get three Milwaukee Bucks to the All Star game. I think uh, the fact of the way that like the finals played out. Uh, you're right, Morgan, that there is a sort of like who's the B guy switching between Drew and Chris. The way that Drew like executed when it mattered most in the finals and already his like pretty stellar reputation among players and coaches and everybody else in the NBA. I think it's the coaches who pick the reserves. I can't yeah. I can never remember how. Yeah. So if that's the case, I think that'll help uh, both Chris and Drew. Chris from like an output standpoint, because it looks like he's still like pretty much good to go. It's it's hasn't been any sort of drop whatsoever in what he's doing. And then Drew has such a high reputation that if if he's even like somewhat like he was last year, maybe even a little bit better, I think that'll be enough to get us to three. But I, I think it would be surprising if we didn't get at least two this year, uh, so long as people kind of play up to expectations. You're right that kind of figuring everything out last year hurt us a little bit. Giannis is obvious, but uh, getting a second guy, I think, would be pretty critical given the fact that we won the title. So, Okay. This is this is a big one right here. This is a shot as Giannis continues to evolve his shot profile. Like I said, uh, 66.7% from three so far in the preseason. I'm going to go ahead and say that's not going to sustain. Uh, it would be amazing if Giannis became the greatest shooter in NBA history this year. I would love to see that. I don't see that happening. But maybe he'll be able to beat what his like career average uh, three-point percentage is. So Morgan, I'm going to ask. Over or under on 33.3% of his threes uh, for Giannis this season, I should say. Last year, he had 30.3%. I mean, I think the year before, it was like maybe 30.4%. So anywhere above 33.3 for you. No, it's, uh, yeah, the the 66% (laughs) is not sustainable. Only going to go up. Not. Um, (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) Like, it's, it's just not. It's not his game. Um, every time he puts up the three, I curse. Um, I think it's good to have <laughs> as an option. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he will or should shoot enough threes a game to get into a rhythm where it becomes a dependable part of his arsenal. Um, you know, he's tenacious, all power to him. I'm sure he spent a lot of time this off, you know, whatever week of the off season that we had working <laughs> on it. Um, but every time he doesn't shoot a three is, uh, an opportunity that he has not either at the rim or dishing to a, an open Pat or Chris. And um, I am hard pressed to take the over on this one. So we're, we're staying under. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. Not that I think Giannis will make the most threes. He's like the total number of threes. He'll eclipse that record that he's always set. Like, I think this is going to be a career in how many made threes he'll have, but I don't think percentage wise it's going to work out. It It's a weird thing. I think he's going to take more threes just because, like, why not take the pull up? F it. You know, teams are going to sag off him. I think he's going to try and do it. But I think it come playoff time, it's not going to matter. And I think he's going to just, he's going to take more. So he's going to make more, but he's not going to make any at a higher percentage. So I'm going to say just under the 33.3. Yeah, you're probably right. I should note in his rookie year, the the vaunted, the mythical, the legendary rookie year for Giannis. Uh, he made 34.7 of his uh, 
threes. I don't know if we're going to go back. It, there are some who are saying that his jumper is fixed. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, <laughs> if you believe that the jumper is fixed, he did make 34.7. I'm going to take the under on that as well. Uh, you're right, Morgan, that it is not necessarily part of his game. That's not the end of the world. I think it's fine that he continues to work on it. But you're going to fit right in with the community here of the Brew podcast, where just every time he takes a three, it's like, oh, God, not again. He gets the first three. If he makes the first three, he gets to take a second three as soon as you miss one you are please do not bomb the <laughs> shot so yeah it's it's a fine balance but i think he'll probably a little bit better than the previous two years it, it can it's not that it can only go up it can obviously go backwards for Giannis. but if the jumper is sort of fixed i think that's uh you know a bet to go above 30.3 at least but i have to ask morgan you i don't know if you've seen the videos obviously of Giannis's rookie year jump shot it's it was so smooth like a young Kevin Durant out there. That's what he was like. Do you think, based on what you've seen in preseason, that he has, quote, fixed his jumper? Um, you can pretty much command C, command V, my response <laughs> to the previous question. I, Again, no. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure it's better, and I applaud him for that. Um, and it's something that he should continue working on because it is kind of the glaring weakness in his game. But fix fix is such a loaded word it's not fixed it's slowly <laughs> gonna get better and again that's not who he is um so no <laughs> yeah yeah i i feel like at this point this has to be iteration like 15 of the jumper i love i love 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 it's it's like the rising and setting of the sun it's the changing of the seasons every off season we get a video of Giannis in the tra- training camp and it was like hmm What's going on? The shot doctors come out of the woodwork. I, it's my favorite, like one of my favorite off-season storylines. Kyle, what, what do you think? Do you think Giannis has fixed his jumper based off what you've seen so far? No, 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 no. <laughs> this is like Charlie Brown and Lucy situation, okay? Like we keep thinking, oh, this is it. This is going to be the time, and it doesn't happen. And that's totally fine. We have just saw this man bulldoze his way and find a way to win a championship with his style of game it does like the jumper is beyond broken it can get like morgan said it can get better but it is not fixed fix would be indicate like he is all of a sudden kevin durant and no like we need to stop thinking like this is going to be the year like it's funny seeing everyone else get shook about it it that i enjoy everyone else gets a little bit shook everyone else gets a little bit worried but no, I don't think his jumper is fixed. I think his free throw routine, that is probably the big, I've tweeted, I think that's the bigger deal to me than, you know, the mid-range or three-point jumpers. Because if he can tweak his free throw approach, that's, you know, at least four or five points a game that he's leaving right there on the board. Like, that is huge to me. Like, the the jumper, no, he did not fix it. We, we got to stop doing this. Like, get off that narcotic. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, we've probably seen the peak of Giannis' free throws. And it was a good time in game six of the finals. It was a good time as any to have, like, the one off his free throws fixed. Uh, I do not expect that to be fixed either. Uh, so, yeah, keep working out, Giannis. We love seeing it. Okay, here we go. Playoff time, right? It's not an elimination game, but, you know, Budenholzer last year, he showed that he's willing to tighten up his rotation a little bit. I want to ask you guys, we'll start with Kyle. Or Kyle, if you need to think on it, Morgan, whoever wants to start here. Everyone's healthy. We're going in. Who right now makes your eight-man rotation? If if you're uncomfortable with eight, you can increase it to nine. I'll allow it. But who would make your eight-man top eight if you could? All right. So we have the obvious starters. We have 
Brooke, Giannis, Chris, Drew. And then we'll do Dante, uh, Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis. And I'm going to slightly go nine because I think Pat Connaughton is going to be in there. And I'll I'll still throw George Hill. I'll, I'll do nine. I'm going to throw George Hill on there just because I think he still has enough where, especially given Budenholzer tends, and if, if they go with the small ball lineups, I could see that being more of a thing. So I'll say nine, and I'll add George Hill to that rotation. Um, I'd echo the top eight. <laughs> which I guess, you know, could just stick with that being the question. I'd like a, I'd like some, some, some Nora nine action, some double N, but um, I won't say anything else because I'll be stepping on my future toes (laughs) with some of these predictions. (laughs) Nobody, nobody's going to keep you to account for this, which is the beautiful part about season predictions. Uh, I agree. I mean, I don't know. We were running Jeff Teague out there for a couple of minutes. I mean, exactly. if we could survive the Jeff Teague minutes, I think I figured we'll talk more George Hill, but I figure even George Hill and slightly diminished stature has to be slightly better than Jeff Teague. Uh, I would agree. So starters, Giannis, uh, Chris, Drew, Brooke, those are obvious. It's tough with the Grayson Allen Dante pairing because I think Pat, the way that he performed last year, he was like... <laughs> It, it was perfect in every single way that we needed. The difficulty with Pat is because he is essentially a role player. Did we see like the peak of what Pat Compton is capable of last year in the playoffs? I would say, I think it would be fair to argue probably. Yes. He bailed us out on like 10 different occasions. He like saved us in like game four against the Nets or whatever. I remember he was playing out of his mind. One of those games against the Nets that like how power sport, but I, I think the difficulty is choosing between Grace and Dante and Pat for who's going to be like that second guard wing guy. And I'm not sure if you want all three of them playing because I would say George Hill is just like somebody who can do a little bit more like handling of the ball. I don't think any of those three guys are great at that. So I think George Hill has to make it because you have to have somebody who can handle a little bit. Um, So I would, I don't know. I got to see what Dante looks like. If Dante would be my odd man out right now, I know everybody's healthy. I'm not a huge fan of Dante's game anyhow. I think the the grittiness, the filling his very specific role that Pat does is valuable. And then if Grayson can just like be more of a plus offensive player. So if I was to choose eight, I would kick Dante off the island. Grayson, you're in. Um, Bobby, George, Pat. Did I pick? That might be nine. I can't remember. Whoever it is, I think that's eight. So maybe Dante would be my odd man out. It's tough. We'll see. Okay, here we go. Season. So Morgan did correct me. This is good. We needed a fact checker on the uh, on the podcast too, because this is this is why we needed somebody else. Because if it was just me and Kyle, we'd be we'd be just pulling numbers out of nowhere. So I said over under 1.5 midseason trades. Uh, if you're talking about midseason trades last year, we had just had the one with PJ. So I'll just say over or under on 1.5 trades uh, last year. If you do the season transaction season wise, we had Drew and PJ were trades last year. Um, I will start with Kyle. Over or under on 1.5 trades? I'm going to say under just because I don't know how cap-wise you can make half the trades work. Like, you would have to be flipping, like, Rodney Hood for another <laughs> minimum player. And I, I just don't think that's going to happen. And they still have the 15th roster spot. So they, it, I, I'm going to go under because I don't know what they're doing with that 15th roster spot. 
it'll probably honestly be just Mamu getting converted to it down the road once his two-way time is up. But I'll say under, it's just the the cap implication makes it feel like I don't know what trade you make that doesn't put you further in the tax than they already are. Yeah, that that's a fair point. <laughs> I um I I could see a uh some sort of actual trade similar to PJ last year, bring in like another intangibles guy, you know, to the extent that you financially can. Um Dante, I feel you know, Riley mentioned already people seem to be wanting to throw that man a lot of money for stuff that I don't see. <laughs> um, and <laughs> if my boy Bud gives Nora his due and actually plays him, I feel like he is a marketable commodity as well. Um, and not obviously, you know, win now with the current core of the Bucks, but we don't have a first round pick until 2027. <laughs> if my numbers are right. Um, you know, I could see a, I could see a, you know, a mid-level under the cap shenanigans type trade that Horst pulls. Um, congrats on his contract extension, by the way. And um, I could also see, uh, as weird as it is, in, mid- in the midst of like another championship prep, like actually try and get some future draft stock um, with players that probably might not make our playoff rotation anyway. Um, so I'll go. I'll go with the over on this one. Yeah, this is tough. Uh, I'm a cap idiot, so I don't really know what we're capable of doing. I don't know if there would be like the chance to do any sort of like even minor like salary dumps where we like we give you our trash for your expiring trash or something like that. That might be a move we look into. Uh, I also think, yes, Dante. We're all writing that. It feels like we're all writing Dante off. We're gonna skip the next question because of this because I don't need to bag on Dante anymore. But Who's it feels like we? he's the. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yeah, I know you're a believer. Okay, we'll talk about Dante then next. Uh, so I think Dante's uh, definitely a candidate. Obviously, since we tried to offload him last year, he's definitely a candidate. Jordan War, I think, is also very much a candidate. Um, I'm trying to think of like other. I would have to pull up contracts to see who has the most. Maybe Pat because he's does he got one more year? He has a player. Like, he's option. very valuable. He, he's valuable to us, but like maybe, you know, he could be intangible guy. So there, there are guys who I think it's not that we're totally bereft of talent on the team. You could flip in like a positive trade. Um, but we are very much out of pretty much anything to trade from like, as far as I'm aware, George, or, uh, John Horst probably knows a lot more about how we're going to be able to maneuver our 2052 second round pick into like a, a guy, but uh, we're a little tough there. So I, I'll take the under, but we are going to make a trade. It's Trader John. He took the mantle from John Hammond. He doesn't. He doesn't sit at the trade deadline and go quiet. He's got something up his sleeve at all times, so he will make a trade. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have on here. I just wrote Gray Allen or the Big Ragu. Uh, Morgan, you could take this as a uh, evaluation of their respective nicknames. Which player <laughs> you like more? You just talk about either guy. I'll, this is like the wild card spot. Gray Allen or Big Ragu. Um. Yeah, yeah. I obviously we know which nickname is better. Um, <laughs> I also want to quickly footnote in terms of offseason acquisitions. I think we all would agree that the biggest tragedy of last year is that um, you know a man who was very formative to Milwaukee Bucks teams and culture was not able to receive a ring, aka Ursan Ilyasova. Um, bring him back. We should not bring mm-hmm. him back. But, I mean, he's still living in um, Mequon, so he's probably around 
putting out he probably, literally he probably is at at the training facility like all the time he probably <laughs> just hangs out there i don't know why he wouldn't what, what <laughs> yeah. do they carry his ursan just have him there why not i was gonna say he's got to keep up his uh his uh videos that he did with pat and pat's still <laughs> you know around gentrifying the place so yeah. um anyway I, I I think I've I mean we we've talked this over. I think that Dante is a lot more valuable to another team than he is to our team. I think that Gray Allen is exactly what we re- need really need right now. Um, his punchable face notwithstanding, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they play out because they definitely do have you know one of the few sources of intrigue going on the roster, but. I think the combination of Grace Gray Allen being steadier and having better health, um, we're not looking for like a number three or even a number four. We're looking for like a number five. <laughs> and I think that he very capably fills that role. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with the Gray Allen nickname. That is probably the best nickname. I think that was OG Jeezy that said it. So shout out to him. So that was great. I have hitched this damn wagon to Dante long enough that it's like I'm I'm basically it's like the Oregon Trail. Like I've already made it through the worst of it. Like I just I just got to get to the end at this point. Like we've gotten through it. I, I think there is still some valuable Dante. I think defensively he gives you the unpredicted chaos, which can help. And especially when you have Giannis and Brooke kind of covering for it, it allows you to gamble more. I think it he does, I mean, does, he does stuff, but some of those stuff are very important, like rebounding. We saw at times how Milwaukee's guards, I think one of the reasons why defensively against the Suns, they were doing so well is you would have Pat Connaughton flying in for rebounds. So I think that there is still an aspect of it. I think there's still the, he can still do stuff. It may not be at a high level, but it's enough. And we saw what happened last year when Drew had to sit. The backup ball handler was Jeff Teague, and I'd rather have jo- Dante than Jeff Teague. So there is at least the he if he can just stay healthy, which is a big if. You at least are not going further down the depth chart when you need players the most. So I'm still going to stick with Dante. I still think there, that he does enough stuff to at the very least give him a six man role. I think maybe him being a six man is better suited for him than him being the starter. I would agree. The main thing that hurts Dante is the fact that we went on to win a title, even though he was not there. Uh, if we had lost, then we could have had all sorts of what ifs, like, well, if Dante had been there with his defense or the way he was shooting the tree, then maybe you could have an argument. But the fact that PJ Tucker, who looks like there's a possibility that was his final stand, which if so, salute to you once again, PJ. Appreciate you putting it all out there. The fact that Dante went down and then we still won a title does not help his case necessarily. It doesn't help I, his I think negotiation. <laughs> It does not help his negotiation. It, it's just difficult because I, I agree that six man is his spot, but if he's going to ostensibly be paid $100 million, I mean, that's a lot of money for a six man. And I think it's hard for somebody to go from starter to like gracefully go back to six man. Um, so I don't know. It'll be really interesting. I don't know if we'll trade him. We'll probably keep him around just to have like extra. It's always nice to have extra players around as, as, so long as he like goes into it with like the right mindset, which as a guy who's looking to get paid would probably be, a little bit more of an ask, but we'll see. I don't know. Get healthy, Dante. We want to see you healthy. We want to for sure see you healthy either way, just because having more talent is always helpful. So we'll see. Has Dante's Inferno been thrown out as a nickname for him? Is that? Oh, of course. That's okay. that's a recurring se- that's a recurring segment on the podcast, which I, I have to ask Adam for that that bumper. Yes. Every time yeah, it'll probably 
the first time we use it will probably be whenever he's back at whatever point that is. So uh, Dante's Inferno is not gone just yet. And even if he does get traded, we'll have one last Dante's Inferno in memoriam. So we we almost did that anyway. <laughs> we thought he got traded. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll just replay that segment from last year and we'll just like, I'll re-edit it. So I'll say Grayson Allen over the top of like Bogdanovich every time we talk about it. Uh, All right, here we go. Jordan Wara, uh, we're starting to get to some more esoteric stuff so we can kind of move quickly through this stuff. Uh, Last year, Jordan Wara as a rookie appeared in 30 games. Uh, I ask Hugh Morgan, over or under on 41.5 regular season appearances, will he appear in over half the games this season? More because we want him to improve and we want to rest other guys. I agree. Kyle? I agree. Yeah, Yeah. over. I think uh, it probably helps that Rodney Hood might be on his literal last legs here. uh, And that would be him or like, I don't know, I don't think semi is necessarily like competition. We have like a lot of weird like forward wing guys. So, but I think Jordan, because he knows how to shoot. It's, that is valuable, even if you don't know how to defend. So he will probably play quite a bit. Uh, last year, the Bucks were 10th in defensive rating uh, in a year full of experimentation. Apparently, Brooke Lopez becoming slower than molasses, depending on who you're asking, and Drew Holiday having to guide the entire defense by himself. Kyle, over or under on 9.5, or yeah, 9.5. I had difficulty writing that because I no, that's not how you say it. 9.5th in defensive rating is coming here. <laughs> I. I... I guess under because I think they'll I think they'll be closer to five. You know, last year they had to learn oh, yeah, how the other to. Way around. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how it works, but they're going to be I think they're going to be fifth. <laughs> they had a coach. Yeah, Drew had to literally tell dudes how to defend. They got a year of it. They still have the drop zone drop. Maybe teams won't shoot 40 something percent against them. I'll, I'll say they're top five defense. Yeah, it's a shame they can't be exactly 9.5. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll, I, I'm also confused by the over under for this. I'll just take the opposite. <laughs> just say, yeah, just say, say what, what like place in the league you think that'll be easier. I did, I did a bad job on this, my bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Realistically, it'll probably be somewhere around fifth, but I, I'll, I'll say like, like 11th. I, I think, um, I, I liked what we were doing with PJ and, and the switching. I don't think Shemi's going to be anywhere close to that. I think. Uh, Gray Allen's a step back. Um, I think that we're going to be hopefully resting more and therefore have worse defense because of it. Um, But I could easily see that being wrong. Uh, I'll take, I think we'll be like 10th again. Not because we won't be better, but I agree the PJ thing. We're not going to have Dante as much as, you know, I like to bag on Dante. He was like, Part of a really good defense, our starting unit had a really good defensive rating. Um, even if he gambles a whole bunch, he, I haven't watched much of Grayson Allen, Gray Allen, preseason or as a Grizzly, so I can't competently say how he'll fit in. Uh, if Brooke even, I don't think he's falling off the cliff. I think that was a little ridiculous last year, but you know he's, he's getting slightly older. So if the drop scheme teams are used to it, if that kind of takes a little bit of a step back, um, I don't think we're going to care because... As we did last year, we proved that we can have a really good defense in the playoffs um, when called upon. So I think 10th again this year, but uh, it is a dangerous game having all these things like, ah, we showed it we could do it last year, so we don't need to care in the regular season. So I don't want to fall back on all that. But I think rest, uh, Brooke dropping off a little bit, depending on who comes off the bench, stuff like that. Um, I think 10th again. So I'll take the over slightly, 
same as last year, slightly worse than 9.5th. So, uh, Morgan, I'll leave this one to you. Over or under is George Hill cooked? You think <laughs> another one where the over under doesn't really work, but you can take whichever way you want to go on that. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he, he's medium rare. He's, he's definitely <laughs> cooked. His numbers have not been great the last few years. We don't need him to be uncooked. We raw, I suppose. We, we, we need him to be better than Jeff Teague. And I think he can more than capably do that. Um, I'm very happy that he came back and it seems like the kind of dust up at his departure um, was resolved, which honestly, I am more pleased about than the fact that he'll actually be playing for us this year. Um, I think that I'd rather see other and younger guys out there, but it's nice to know that we'll have like a solid five minutes in like the middle second quarter that I won't have to like close my eyes during. (laughs) He's not cooked, but he is aging like wine where, you know what? Maybe you should really get through this bottle and um, because you're running out of time. Once you open that bottle, maybe you should start drinking it. That's where we're at. So not yet, not yet cooked, but definitely like I'm looking at that bottle of wine. Like, oh, that's we've opened that like a month ago. We should really get through that before it becomes bad. We're mixing a lot of metaphors on this George. <laughs> or he is he medium rare? Is he raw? Do we want to be raw? Is he an open bottle of wine? But he, <laughs> there's a lot of different things. I think George Hill would be marginally better than Jeff Teague, uh, which as Morgan said. It's really all we're asking for. It's it's weird because if you look his, at his numbers during his like twelve game stint when he played for the Thunder, he's like really good. He like, had some crazy numbers, but I think he was just playing his ass off to go to like anywhere that wasn't Oklahoma City, which respect understood. Get where you're coming from. Uh, and then I don't know what happened in Philly. It's Philly, so maybe I'll just be able to chalk it up to the Sixers. But I think there's a combination of he is capable of like high level play. I don't think it will be like him against the Raptors where he's literally our second pl- second best player sort of George Hill. Um, but I think there will be marginally enough to be like, hey, he's not Jeff Teague. No disrespect. Jeff Teague, NBA champion. All respect for Jeff Teague. But I'm just talking about it was scary. We can all be honest. It was scary whenever Jeff had to play. So I do not think he is fully cooked. I think medium rare, a bottle of wine that's been open for a month but isn't totally sour just yet. I think you guys both nailed it exactly right with George Hill. Uh, let's see. I ask this like every year for Lopez three point percentage. Uh, it seems like his game's changing a little bit the way he's played. Uh, his three point attempt was actually a little bit higher last year than the year before, but played inside a little bit more. So I'm going to ask uh, Kyle over or under 34.5 percent from three for Brooke. He went 33.8 percent last year. I'll say over. I, I feel like last year was a weird. He just had really bad cold stretches. I, I'll say over. Probably under for me. Um, that would be above his career average. And I think he's moving towards a, um, I usually like Bambi on ice whenever he like drives and does the weird body movement that somehow ends up, you know, off the rim and in, um, I'll take that every day. I think it's nice to have him as a, a threat from outside, but, um, definitely been less confident with his three balls of late. And I think that'll continue. Yeah, it's always fun. That's the thing. He's like ideal, ideal Giannis, where he just pump fakes, and every single time a, jump, a defender jumps at him, and then he does like the swing through, step, step, 
he doesn't even dribble. He takes six steps and then nobody calls the travel and then he scores. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I'm going to take the under as well. I've just clearly that was the point at which I was running out of over and unders, which is where I'm going to now turn it over to you guys. to see a couple over unders in there or questions in general. Uh, Morgan, why don't you start with yours, please? Um, just like basically pitching Mamu, uh, whether. Yeah, not an over, an over, over, under, just like a yes, no G League MVP for Sandro Mamu Kailashvili, the, uh, the, the power man from Seton Hall. Kyle? I'm going to say no because he's not going to be eligible because he won't play enough games because he'll be on the main roster. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be – I think he's going to be must-watch TV if Summer League was any sort of uh, primer for what he's going to look like in G League because it's just like a highlight machine, a weird highlight machine. But uh, I also think he'll probably be our – best G League player for the herd, but I don't know if he'll be G League MVP. Though I mean um Frank Mason, he he was two way and he still won MVP. So there's a possibility, but I think it seems like a lot of guards win MVP in G League. It's I don't know if it's just like their highlight factories and it's, it's easier to produce like both scoring and creating for others. So uh even though he does a little bit of creation, I think he's gonna be a little bit too down. It's all about working on that three point shot and putting on mass uh and pump jumping and pump fakes less for him so i do not think g league mvp but he'll probably be like the best player for the bucks or for the wisconsin herd i should say yeah i think bottom line i just hope that he's able to get meaningful minutes up there um rather than you know i think he will ride the pine for uh, for the the main squad a bit but yeah work on that three work on that defense and i don't know it's a it's a, a big man's game right now, so <laughs> I have no, absolutely no knowledge of the G League whatsoever. I think they play in Oshkosh. That's my knowledge. So hopefully you can uh, um, wow Oshkosh with his uh, abilities. I've never been to a herd game, uh, but I feel like I mean I would never spring for courtside tickets for a Bucks game because I'm not made of money. But like courtside-ish games at a herd game, and you get to see like. Christian Wood a couple of years ago or like Mamu going out there and just doing crazy things. I feel like that would be yeah. a good time. Like that's a good Saturday night out in Oshkosh. I feel like just how the arena is and how the bleachers are, it's like almost like a high school setting where it's like you're close enough that you can basically see everything. So yeah. 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 I'd watch Listen. some uh, some primetime Mamadi. Um although I, I am still salty. I believe Sheboygan, um, my hometown was in the running for uh, where the herd ended up moving. So definitely still a little salty about that. Would have been nice to like walk to the games, but I suppose, you know, uh, Oshkosh is by and large a more intelligent pick because it's actually near people. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, but they got the, could you imagine you do that sweet, that pan of like the arena and then there's the lake there. That, that would be kind of a cool, you would get some mm -hmm. cool shots if for whatever reason herd games were on like a major <laughs> TV network for some reason. <laughs> All right, Kyle, I see that you have a question as well. We'll wrap up with your final question here before prediction is over with. Yeah, so basically I just wanted to see who do you think is going to get more playing time, Shemi Ojale or Rodney Hood? Uh, if we count Rodney Hood's one preseason appearance, it might come down to like it's a game of inches with this one between these two guys. Uh, if we count Rodney Hood's one single preseason appearance, I think there's a chance that Rodney – makes the single one. I, 
I don't know. This is we didn't see Shemi at all. Uh, Ronnie's probably he's more cooked than George Hill, more than likely. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. I'll say Rodney, but I feel not confident at all in either of these guys necessarily. Like <clears throat> Shemi hypothetically has a defined role in being like our PJ hyper buff defense hype man, um, and also has not torn his Achilles. <laughs> um, so I'll probably go with him. Yeah. Kyle. Uh, I'm going to go Shemi Ojale just because we have the defined role. I think he'll be like a lot of fun for it in terms of like, you have to have a meme player who just does like bewildering things. And Shemi does a lot of bewildering things. If his Boston Celtics highlight reel is any sort of uh, thing to go off of. Plus like we continue to collect the Giannis stoppers. We put them on our team so that they can't stop him. Next level move by John Horst. Uh, so yeah, those are over under prediction madness. I, uh, any other final, like crazy, anybody have a hot take prediction before we go on to ads and then miscellaneous or be about good to go. Didn't get a chance to throw any shade at, um, the pound slash the kennel that is the Miami heat. But um, just want to do my uh, plant my first, you know, do my first bomb of the, of the pod <laughs> and just say bunch of bombs on original bombs. Come on. I was going to bring that up for where they'd fall in the conference, but somehow slipped my mind. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> it's because they're so forgettable. And you know what? Here's the thing. Bam Adebayo being the one who's like revealing that nickname. Bam, you do not get to talk. I saw what you did in the first round. You were afraid to hold on to the ball. Do you, I mean, do you guys remember he was pivoting. He was looking around, praying to God, another Miami Heat player would come and take the ball out of his hands. That was, you don't get to call yourself a dog based off of what I saw. And yes, it is very comical that they had to wait for our guy to leave our team to go to their team to literally give them the same the same exact nickname so i, I think it it doesn't speak well of pj that he couldn't come up with like a secondary evolution beyond the kennel uh and also if you're in a kennel that means you're like you're in like behind a wall and nobody's letting you out that's not it just feels like they didn't think that all the way through so i agree a bunch of bombs in miami Kyle agrees. He's nodding his head. Okay. With that, uh, we're going to go to take a quick little ad break. And on the other side, we are going to be doing our rapid fire questions. Uh, looks like we have a movie review and Morgan's initial contribution to the miscellaneous section. So uh, we'll be right back. Okay. We're back. Uh, miscellaneous rapid fire. First rapid fire of the uh, soon to be regular season. Kyle, take it over. So I'll, I'll keep it brief. Um, if you could take one road trip, what, where would you go? Glacier. Is that the, the whatever the national park or whatever? Yeah, see the uh, see the glaciers before climate change. <laughs> You're running out of time. That's gonna be a that's a, a dire must do road trip. Uh, I would go. Oh God, I go to Maine. I've always wanted to go like the for like New England's pretty in the fall. Maine. I would go Maine. I think I would do one to like the Rocky Mountains. I haven't been, yeah, I haven't been I think that'd be that cool. area. So, all right, next one. You can only eat one of these foods for the rest of your life. You can do varieties of it, but it can only be this one: tacos, burgers, or pizza. 
I'd say tacos. To me, that feels like the one that has the widest. I mean, a taco literally, depending, this is like the, is a hot dog a sandwich or uh, <laughs> or not? Um, it's kind of like this. All you need is a tortilla of some sort and then fill things in it. So I could do like a pizza taco if I wanted, if I wanted to get strange with it. So I would say it's, it wouldn't be good necessarily. I see the reactions, but I would say taco would be my base that I would go with. Like for the exact same reasoning, I would say pizza. <laughs> I feel like pizza is definitely <laughs> the most flexible. Let's get the pizza taco out of here. You have taco pizza is a defined uh, thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I think easiest to like load a bunch of veg on top of that. So you're not just completely like zonked for the rest of your life. Yeah, I'd also go pizza because you can try different. You can do like vegetarian. You can do like I feel like you couldn't really do a vegetarian taco. You like you can do like the fake meat, it just wouldn't work as well. So yeah. All right. Um this is a simple yes or no question. Are you a fan of sparkling water? Like the LaCroix, you know, strong the yes. Uh not weak, yes, but mild, yes. I'm um, yes. Yeah, we have a bevy machine that you can get sparkling water. It's fantastic. So I'm also a yes. Um all right. Do you have a game day fit? So like like that's a big game. The Bucks are playing. Do you have a specific thing that you have to wear while watching the game? Or if you're going to a game? I do not. I do not own a lot of... I, I think the only thing of it... So I do have a Bucks hat. Coles, a Coles special. And it's been serving me well for like four years now. So shout out to you, Coles. Local business, support local or something. Uh, I would say this is like the only hat. I don't really own a lot of other Bucks gear. So this hat usually gets busted out for uh, whenever the Bucks are playing. Like I try and wear a Bucks shirt, aka the one I'm wearing. Um, mostly the thing that comes to mind is whenever I'm watching a game at home, uh, doing a puzzle during the commercial breaks to quell nerves. Strongly recommend did it throughout the playoffs. Very helpful. <laughs> I like that idea. I was just a ball of anxiety in the mess, so I did not. But normally I just wear a jersey. I have like four of them, four or five of them, so just rotating. And then the last question is, which is the more famous color, red or blue? Hmm, That's a good one. I would say the more famous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say red. I'll say, I guess I'll say red. We see the sun. Every time the sun sets, things are kind of red. I don't know. The sky is blue. That's a tough one. I'm, I'm going to say red. Half an hour, the sky is red besides the other like 12 hours of the day. I think, I think blue. It's a gut, gut feeling. <laughs> I got no facts to back it up whatsoever, but gut feeling. I'm going to go red. Morgan, I'll go blue. Kyle, can you be the, what would uh, be your title? I'm going red because I feel like there's more like imagery and like more symbolism with red than there is with okay. blue. That's it. Okay. <laughs> this is where <laughs> I was like, it was 2 a.m. and I was, it was 2 a.m. I'm holding baby. I'm like, what is red or blue a more famous color? <laughs> you were like zonking out because you were sleep deprived and you were just I seeing was, those yeah, two colors basically. in front of you and you're like, which one's more famous? All right, good, good first rapid fire of the season. Uh, wonderful. It looks like you also have a movie review for us, Kyle. Easy on me. Tell us about Easy on me. It is not a movie. It is a music video. <laughs> oh, okay. Adele? Adele's new song. Uh, we, I, I need to talk about it. We need to talk about it because if, 
It is a trilogy. Adele created a trilogy, whether you realize it or not. Because if you watch the Rolling in the Deep music video, the setting is a house that has like still, it has like the covers. It looks like it's still being in the process of moving in. Like it's still in progress. And then you watch Hello. And she's like moved in the house. She lives there. Like there's memories in this house. And then you get the easy on me and she has left the house. She sold it. It is done. So she did a whole ass trilogy with those three songs in the music video. And also it's, it's just a fun music video. So I just needed to talk about it because the song is fantastic. We are getting an Adele album. It is going to be fantastic. This is going to be a divorce album. It's going to be fire. It's going to win every award. And we just need to talk about it. And that is my film review. Adele put on a trilogy masterpiece without us. I don't know if she planned it, but it was well executed. 10 out of 10. Super stoked. Like, you know that she's going to absolutely destroy this divorce album. Like, Oh, yeah. Riley's just going November- to look like, really, you chose this? <laughs> no- November 20th, right, is the... Something like that, 19th or 20th, yeah. Okay, we can... Yeah, that very uh, that very well may be our first emergency pod of the season. We'll have you guys, <laughs> Leander Brew, we'll have you guys record. You guys can go live and talk about the Adele crushing quote crushing the divorce album, which is mm-hmm. something you really hope for when you get divorced is that you crush the divorce <laughs> album thereafter. And there's so, a, there's a lot of parallels between that and the Bucks if we you know look closely <laughs> enough. I think. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to you guys making that happen. I, it's not that I'm an Adele hater. I just have not looked it up. I'm sure I will hear the song just by through it being in the zeitgeist. So thank you, Kyle, for the easy on me movie music video review. Uh, it no looks problem. here. I don't have a name for Morgan's uh, section here, and I'm not sure if he's going to be doing a lot of traveling. So I'm not sure how replicable this is going to be. But uh, where in the world is Morgan Ross? Uh, was in West Virginia. Let's get a review about West Virginia. Uh, hilly, very, very, very hilly. Um, no, we uh, we just had our our fall break over at the OSU and uh, went off into the hills. They've uh, recently christened a new national park, New River Gorge. Um, nice old eight hundred sixty foot bridge over a pretty big river valley. Um, so up to some hiking, a little bit of fall colors. Uh, did whitewater rafting for the first time. Ooh. Um, did some level threes and fours, a couple level fives, strongly recommend. Um, although it still frightens me. I still have nightmares. Um, the food was fine. Um, and <laughs> that's pretty the, good for West Virginia. No disrespect to West Virginia, but to say it was fine. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then, and then, uh, yeah, nice little run through Charleston and saw, oh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Mothman, but Mothman is uh, haunts a West Virginia town. So I uh, got a nice selfie with uh, Mothman and his massive moth wings and inexplicably 12-pack abs. Um, so uh, West Virginia, <laughs> wild and wonderful. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's our paid advertisement from the West Virginia Board, West Virginia Board of Tourism. Uh, thank you for coming on, Morgan. Morgan's not actually part of the staff. He's representative of the <laughs> West Virginia Board of Tourism. I, uh, it's not that West Virginia, I would not visit it. It's just like a lot of other states where it's just not necessarily jumping to the top of mind. Is Charleston like a cool city? I, How did you feel I, about Charleston? I got good vibes in general. I'm looking for city amenities without it like really being a city. Mm-hmm. And 
Charleston uh, feeds both of those birds with one scone, as I say. Is the is West Virginia University in Charleston, or where is that located? I can't That's remember. in Morgansville, I think. Yeah. Oh. It's also, okay. well. yeah, the first white settler was supposedly named Morgan Morgan. You got Morgan State. You got Morgan's, like, I mean, I, I really didn't have any choice <laughs> but to go there. That's true. <laughs> I was going to say, I've been to West Virginia once, and I was in this, like, podunk place called Mingo County, and it was everything I expected a podunk, like, down on its luck coal town to be it was kind of funny though because the mayor did greet us and you know gave us a bottle of moonshine so that was pretty cool west virginians they're west virginians they're nice people they're good people we shout out to all our wv listeners i'm sure they are out there somewhere uh i don't have any sort of anchor pen review i will get on it soon uh but i've just been using a lot of the same stuff since for a while now uh, I see that Morgan put in here. He is a distance runner. Uh, for those who follow my column, I ran a marathon like two weeks ago, survived. I set a personal record, not by a lot, but it did set a personal record, which is what it's all about. Uh, the post run, it was the Twin Cities Marathon. You start in downtown Minneapolis, run through the lakes in the south of the cities, and then you end up at the uh, Cathedral and State Capitol in St. Paul. Really cool track. It's a very bizarre experience running like organized races. Because this is all these strangers screaming at you for 26 miles, you know, and they're so excited to be there. So that's great. Uh, but it, it, that first time that you slow down to like get like after maybe 17 miles, you slow down to grab like a water or a Gatorade and you feel it in your legs. You're like, oh, crap, I need, I need to keep going or we are not going any further. Uh, it, bizarre experience, but I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, and I was happy to. PR again. I almost got emotional because I they didn't have the time set up at all during the course. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make the like time. And then I get to the very end and I see like the big clock that's like official, whatever the finish time is. I was like, wow, I'm actually going to make it. So it was uh, it, it's an emotional and physical roller coaster. Not sure if I would suggest it to everybody, but uh, if you're into it, for sure. It's a pretty good marathon. I've never done any others, but from what I gather, it's pretty good. So Nice. That's my, that's my, I'm not going to have a marathon review every week. Uh, I will <laughs> maybe have it maybe once a year or something like that. So that's yeah, say, I only know two marathon courses, the Eau Claire one and the Madison one. And I've heard the Madison is brutal and the Eau Claire is not too bad until like the final like mile. Yeah. If you do any uh, trail running um, I've done, there's a, it's technically an ultra, but it's only like two miles more than a marathon. They take you from Jay Cook State Park and you run pretty much along the Superior Trail down into Duluth. Um, and it's oh. pretty gorgeous. Um, That'd be cool. Yeah. it's. I think it would be difficult for a trail run. Be, like I've only done trail running on occasion, just like mix things up. But like talk about a different mentality you have to have going into that. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sure that's so. Have you done marathons? I, I pretty much only do trail running. Um, so okay. I've done, I've done a couple, uh, and I just, I, I prefer the like lost in the woods, lose track of time. Don't really care how fast I'm going. Um, yep. as opposed to like breaking all of my joints <laughs> running on concrete. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm doing a, like a half marathon in a couple weeks and I feel like at least I'm already already aging. I feel like that's going to probably be my <laughs> my long term, you know, George Hill distance. But uh, kudos on the marathon. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's it's brutal. I would not. It's I can't imagine the people who do it like constantly as like a career. 
people they're out there cooking. It's crazy. We'll talk more racing next time Morgan is on when he's got his half. We'll get a report back on that. But to close out this podcast, we will do predictions. Uh, start of the season. We start on Tuesday, ring night. It's going to be a big deal. Uh, Nets on Tuesday. We're at the Bum Heat on Thursday, and then we are at the San Antonio Spurs on Saturday. Morgan, first time on the podcast, I will leave it to you. What do you think the prediction for record this week is going to be? Um, definitely going to beat the Spurs, Popovich notwithstanding. Um, they seem to be a little decrepit these days. Um, and then we're definitely... I don't know. We, we need to do the Buxian thing and lose at least one of the Nets and Heats. And I feel like, you know, national pundits may say that it would be worse to lose to the Nets, but I, I think it would be worse to lose to Bam and all those guys at Miami, their first big game of the season. They'll get a big, you know, rush out of it only to like flame out as the sixth seed. So I'm going to say we lose to Miami and uh, take it to Brooklyn. Why not? Let's do it. Kyrie probably won't yeah. be there, so it seems doable. <laughs> Three and zero. Kyle. Three and zero. Three and zero. I I feel like the Nets. While it's they're gonna have that whole Kyrie distraction. It's ring night. They're gonna come. The Bucks are gonna come out guns blazing. Miami. I'm not worried about like it's a Thursday, so I don't have to worry about Miami nightlife that much. So we're good there. Spurs. It'll be it'll be dicey, but I think they can still beat the Spurs because I don't even know who the best player on the Spurs is anymore. Like Rudy Gay, Deontay Murray, I guess. Yeah, I don't think Rudy Gay is with the Jazz now. Rudy Gay is okay, not even with Deontay the Deontay Murray anymore. is probably the best player. <laughs> he's I like him, but he's not best player. That scares me. Got good, so I'll say three and zero. Uh, I'll say two and one. I think we will beat the Nets and the Heat uh, for narrative, and then we will drop it against the Spurs because I can't remember the last time we beat the Spurs in San Antonio. That's kind of that's a tough out, even if like Keldon Johnson is their best player. Uh, but I do have to ask one final thing. This is my final prediction. Will we get our first hashtag Firebud tweet this week? Yes or no? No, <laughs> not this week. No. <laughs> okay, Morgan, do you think we're going to see our first Firebud tweet this week? I mean, that's for the culture. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. I think I think a Bryn Forbes career night where he like <laughs> Yeah, I forgot he was at the Spurs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think him outscoring Giannis just like he outscored um I can't even remember his name on <laughs> the uh, Butler. Um yeah. I think that would be delicious and would definitely prompt at least a couple firebud tweets that would completely be, you know, non deserving, but It'd be both a Firebud and Fire John Horse for not retaining Bryn Forbes. It would be the old two for one, which is a pretty rare one. So I'm looking forward to that. And it would be one of those rare guys where if he goes off, I'd just be happy because who cares? It's against the Spurs and uh, he was good for us in one playoff series last year. So looking forward to it. Hashtag Firebud. It's back. Uh, the Bucks are back this season. Uh, thank you, Morgan and Kyle, uh, for joining me today. Uh, Morgan's going to be in the mix heading forward here again. Uh, Adam, we're looking forward to having you back, but we're going to have a whole bunch of different staff members on in one way or the other um, as the season kicks off again on the title defense. Uh, you can find us at brewhoop.com, find us on Twitter. I think we might have a Facebook. I don't know if Kyle's still on that. We may or may not have Facebook. We, we have a Facebook. It is not active. Same with Instagram. It, we have one, but it's not active. <laughs> well, we're not all over problem. the place. You, you know we're, no, you know where to find us, um, and we will be uh, back after the first week of the regular season next week. Talk to you soon.